0: evolution from your bed welcome back guys and thank you for my amazing listeners who were uh, brave enough to not comment only about the content but to tell me that we actually had some sort of a mic issue last time and apparently our new professional microphone was actually kind of faulty so i'm super apologizing for it this podcast is remastered every week by a professional sound engineer and last week I really noticed there was a slight change and this week we're back to our old mic and everything's supposed to be okay. So I woke up this morning and the morning of the recording and I had this idea about writing an article on Medium about why we start startups or let's take it, any project that is kind of groundbreaking or can affect a lot of people or can really dent the market. And I, I just recall the talk I had in, in Vienna in the Impact Hub. It's like a co-working space which offers a lot of community services to startups, and it's kind of the main one in Vienna. And I had a talk there, and there were almost 100 people, and there are a lot of, questions from those entrepreneurs, not about only my story or my success or so on, but more about why do you start a startup or why do you start a project? So I've decided to write an article and to record this episode today and to focus on the how and the why of starting startups or starting social projects or any groundbreaking project. I'm a startup founder, I've founded, it depends how you count it, because one company merged with the other, so it's four or five different startups, and I've founded several other charity projects or social business or NGOs projects, so I think I'm in the right place to to talk out of my experience, especially failures and learnings that I've made during those years, because you learn a lot. And I call my first two projects, uh, my first two startups, basically a patient, sorry, a, a startup school. I always say patient school because of the patient school, which is my new project. So basically I call these two first projects a startup school and what I did actually, I went to be a member of the student union in the college that I've been, and I wanted to contribute. And I also wanted to learn how to manage projects. And I think it's a wonderful way to do it. You don't have to be a member. Some some student unions will gladly accept you as a volunteer if you want to manage a project. But for me, it was like, okay, I've had experience managing projects in the past, but I want to actually learn how to do it because I want to set up an NGO. That's what I thought in the beginning. Later on, I discovered the wonderful and uh, kind of delusional sometimes world of startups. So... I actually used the first few projects as a basically breeding ground. And the first startup that I had was actually a startup that I started out of a kind of crazy idea. There was a serious incident in my college and a student was severely injured by falling downstairs, there was some water there, and later on they figure out everything was okay in terms of safety, the ground, like the actual infrastructure was good, but somebody slipped something, she didn't know this probably, and she slipped and fell. And I was a trained medic, I served as a medic, I've been years in the Red Cross as a master trainer. and. It was maybe 50 aerial meters from me and I haven't got any notification or nobody called for help. As far as I could hear, I was in a lesson and the auditorium was maybe soundproof. And it was just astonishing to me. Later on, I just happened to went out to drink water and I saw some people gathering around. So I rushed there and I realized that the ambulance was dispatched and canceled by mistake because somebody was too afraid to actually call an ambulance, because they wasn't sure if you need to pay for it or what to do, which was a a misconception, and a lot of countries have it, that you have to pay for the ambulance service, and in many of the countries, of course, you don't, and this is something you should never worry about, and you just need to call for help. So, of course, I rendered help, and she was severely injured, and I did everything in my power to help her, but I couldn't stop thinking, and I was kind of losing sleep over it about how come, how come that it was so close to me and there is no single system around to utilize those professors who happen to be doctors or nurses on campus. A lot of people in Israel have first aid training. Like actually it was a teacher college. So every teacher in the final year do a 44 hours of basic first aid. Everybody went to the army do basic first aid. But I guess that that time on the campus Statistically, there are at least 20 people who serves as medics. It's a big college, like 6,000 students, serves as medics, combat medics in the army, or, or in the Red Cross, and in Israel. And I was astonished by this. So, the next morning I woke up, I went to college, and I started to knock on doors, literally, of senior members, like the CEO of the college, the manager of operations, and so on. And I wanted answers. And in a few days, I've managed to Solve this problem in a very simple, non-technological way. This was the first thing because I wanted not to start a startup. I wanted to help save lives. I realized that even if somebody called for help, ambulance is going to take, in you know, a crowded city like Tel Aviv, maybe 12, 15 minutes in the best case scenario. And I said, yeah, but if somebody is bleeding out or somebody's choking or somebody is unconscious and there is no circulation going on, he needs to get help under... One and a half or two minutes. So I knocked on doors and I volunteered as a master trainer. I used to train ambulance driver courses, medic courses, first responder courses. And I say, hey guys, let me train all the maintenance crew of the college. Cleaning, maintenance, technical workers. I will train them in basic first aid. And some of them have these golf carts going around campus. Let's put a first aid kind of kit in every of these cars. This is the first step, but it wasn't enough for me. So in my evolution of starting this project, I actually thought, okay, I want to do something better, and alongside the amazing, amazing, amazing IT department of my college, the Kibbutzim College of Education in Tel Aviv, we actually came up with a basic solution of having this group of people that if you ring this emergency number... In campus you can actually record a very short five second message saying where you are and this message is immediately dispatched to all of the members of this emergency team that later on we added more doctors or professors in the college and combat medics and so on so this specific solution was a really groundbreaking and all I did was to connect a few dots and render Kind of a few talents that were an infrastructure that was already there. Only a few months later, with the support of our college, me and another student and a fellow student from an engineering college, because we are an educational college, decided to actually make it into kind of a startup. And this project, although it was a huge financial failure, it was maybe my greatest success because later on it was adopted by major emergency medical organizations, like the the idea, the technology, the protocol that we've used. The National Student Organization briefed and recommended all colleges in Israel to build emergency teams like this. And other first responders organization actually utilized, we actually gave our code for free. So what happens here? We have failed our startup completely, but we've made a huge impact on people's life, dented the market, or change the vertical, as people say, and in this realm. And actually, we made something happen, and now there are a lot of apps like this, and there are national apps, and we only basically did a pilot, and we proved that with 5,000 users and around 500 first responders, we can down time of uh, response to around three minutes, which was completely groundbreaking at the time. So three students without any budgets doing something so amazing. And when people ask me about this, I say the only way we could have done it is because we have a very solid why. The how was just a tool. The how was just, you know, opportunism, asking for help, asking for favors, convincing people to help us, you know, kind of hurting our own studies and hurting our own wallet, but... We had a cause, we had a why, and that is exactly what I want to talk about today. When you come to start any project, if your why is not solid, you're never going to make it. And as I wrote in this article on Medium, I will try to link it here, is that the rare, rare minority of entrepreneurs that I've encountered are the serial business sharks, the one who as kids sold whatever they could from their house to make more money, you know? they have this strong business sense and they're good in business and they want to make money, they want to make business. Those are the real, real minority. The people that usually I encounter, mentoring startups, training startups, like helping other fellow entrepreneurs, usually are people who has a good cause. In my case, in healthcare, it's usually people who experience with themselves, their family member, their child or so on, Some. Kind of misunderstanding, misconduct, malpractice, something didn't work in healthcare and they want to fix it. But when you go deeper, in most, most, most verticals, in most markets, in most scenarios, you'll find the same stories. People have a personal story they want to change something. You know, maybe in some realms of day trading and so on, you know, you can find real use business case scenarios that. You know, people did an MBA and they know how to analyze it and then they find a business model and so on. But the people that I meet, actually, they have a very strong cause. I see it in mobility, I see it in green energy, I see it in healthcare, I see it in education. And most entrepreneurs have a very strong why. And if you want to make it as a startup founder, you have to have this why. Because... You need to understand, I failed most of my startups. It's not only this startup that I failed. The first one failed because we didn't have the right money and infrastructure to make it happen and getting an FDA approval for our kind of life-saving device. The second one was this, this emergency help called HelpLost, And it was a great success in terms of, I call it a social exit, not a financial exit. But of course, financially and in terms of us as entrepreneurs, You know, we we learn a great deal of lesson, but it's not like that, you know, we are the next Bill Gates afterwards. But actually, taking this experience, we could have do something later. Like, one of my co-founders is is a lead member of a startup acceleration organization in Israel, and the other one is also a chief engineer in, in another. So basically, we have made a great favorite to ourselves, teaching ourselves how to be better entrepreneurs. Even though we failed, but everything we did, all the energy needed to fight those giant, those windmills of huge organizations. We we had to convince the police, the fire department, the, the emergency ambulance services, and actually it was super hard. But. I must say that when you are a group of students with a very good intention and you don't ask for money from people, so it's not good on the one hand because people take you maybe seriously but not in the business sense, but on the other hand we got great support from the police, we got great support from the fire department, much less support from the national Red Cross in which I was a volunteer for almost 10 years, but you can understand that huge organization works differently. And eventually, we found a way to make it happen. We found another organization that was willing to help us because we had the why. Every time we met with a business angel or an investor or a business advisor, they always tried to kind of change our direction because, you know, telling us something like, oh, if you make it like a tow truck calling app or something to make a lot of money very fast, we can maybe invest in you. But this is not what we wanted. We wanted to help people. The why was our campus. This is the only way we could make this small social revolution and this social exit. And the why is always more important than the how. You know, today, it's so easy to make an MVP running. And unless you have a very, very, very unique technology that is highly patented or maybe in the future patentant, or... IP protected, intellectual properly protected. It's so easy to get the resources because everything is out there. Like with the basic kind of programming or outsourcing information, you can get things done. You have websites like Upwork and Fiverr and and so on that you can basically hire people to help you do a very cheap MVP that you still own the rights for. MVP is a minimum viable product. That's what you need to do as a startup very fast to have something working to show that it's feasible to get more money, to get more resources. But it's so easy. The how is very easy today. I sometimes have projects that maybe five or, or 10 years ago, it would have taken a team of like maybe recruiting six, seven people and ask for volunteers and people to work with delayed payment schemes and kind of beg people for help, but today you say, okay, so I pay a hundred bucks for somebody from a developing country who needs this money, this money is maybe one-third of his salary a month or so on, and he builds something for me as a proof of concept, and another guy builds another something, and then I can get, you know, maybe a main developer to help me and so on. The how is not important. The why is important. Because when you really come to an investor to convince him or, or her or an organization of investors or angel investor networks, or when you come to a corporate partner and you want to do a pilot together, if you don't have a solid why, solid set of values and beliefs and confidence that you can make it happen, you can't. But I've been there in conversations like this when the engineers start to talk and say, we have a challenge here and this is very hard and so on. So immediately the people are kind of yawning and don't want to listen anymore because this is the how. People don't want to listen to you speak about the how. You just need to tell them, we will make it happen. We'll need more time, more money, more support. This will happen. But if you don't have this core, core value of why, it will never happen. I remember conversations like this, sitting with chief members of of organizations like the police or the army, or we're trying to kind of have an emergency app to help a lot of people. But nobody cared about how we're going to do it exactly. It's more about why we're going to do it and when we're going to do it. This is very important. We can talk about it in storytelling podcast episode, in an episode that dedicated more to how to, to tell your story. I know we did one before, but... It's very important to know how to pitch, and we will talk about it, but what I'm trying to say is it's not about explaining the technicalities in many cases. If you are to deal with starting a startup or a project that it's uh, social or groundbreaking, in a lot of cases, you are going to live very poorly for a while. You have to work crazy hours to sacrifice a lot of your social life, a lot of your health in, in occasions, which I really want to talk about in another episode, your mental health. Sometimes people, you know, they hurt your, their studies, their work, their, their relationships, their family life, because they believe in something. And of course, there must be balance there. But if you want to survive, people ask me, oh, a startup is so cool. Entrepreneur life is so cool. No, guys, it's not cool at all. It's you want to live a cool life, find yourself a decent job, or open your own business and find time for your own stuff that you want to do in life. Having a startup is the hardest thing you probably will ever do. It's unrewarding in many cases, and you're going to be beaten like the, this game when the frog lifts their head and you have to beat them with this cushioned hammer. This is startup life. you being hammered on your head all the time. You can barely afford in Israel the plate of hummus that you want to eat or the, the falafel dish. Like guys this is not a joke but yet i will tell you of course that you need to start projects of course that you need to try startups and the best way to start it is during college when you can have supports from almost every college they have some sort of innovation or or entrepreneurship center you have professors you can submit it as a classwork your idea and and don't worry about the ip it can of course always be regulated but if done right But you need to find a way to experiment, and of course, that if you had a groundbreaking idea and the why and the belief that you need to change something, guys, not want to change something, you have to change something, you need to change something, you will find a way. But without having those core business ethics that you're always going to adhere to, without choosing your right partners, because this is more than a wedding, I'm serious about it. Choosing wrong partners because you're stressed or you're feeling uncomfortable will result in chaos. And most, most majority of startups are breaking up or projects because of partners not agreeing, which is a shame. And people lose money and time and effort and, and legal stuff. It's it's shame. It's shameful and it's annoying and it's breaking my heart. And I had cases like this before. You need to choose partners that you will trust them with your life i'm not kidding and when you have this core beliefs values that you're here to change something because if you don't change it nobody will or if you start doing something other people will follow you will mimic you will try to be your competitor and then you'll make a revolution in your field most of my startups are kind of a fatal attempt a futile attempt to to change something huge I don't have the power of huge medical corporations, but if I'm putting myself out there, I'm getting some coverage from the press, then people are starting to be nervous. Oh my God, he's doing something that we haven't done. We need to start something. We need to have some sort of competition with him. Then for me, it's a win-win. More patients getting better service, more doctors getting better service. So if you don't have discord beliefs, you're not ready to start a startup, because no matter how smart you think your idea is that you can make a lot of money out of it if you don't have the core why the reason you wake up every morning to a terrible hard day of being beaten on the head you will not make it and this is why i've made the decision that i'm stopping these shenanigans with myself that i'm involved in so many projects in the same time and i'm focusing only on The content creating side and the patient school. That's what I'm doing right now. And for the patient school, I had not only the greatest why in the world, because I'm a patient and I wanted to save lives of other patients and to empower them, is that every startup that I made kind of connected me more and more and more to the kind of fine-tuning of the idea of what I really need to do in this realm. And this kind of startup, it's a social startup. It's more of a social type of business that it's non-profit the, the aim is not to make any exit the aim is to make it to the doorstep of as many patients as we can and empower them and educate them and give them reason to wake up in the morning and give them purpose and it took me almost six months that i worked by myself and i was very very reluctant to take a partner even though it's almost impossible to do it by yourself because i wanted to make sure it's the right partner And eventually I chose one of my closest friends, who is a doctor, who shares the same values with me. And I waited for her to finish medical school and be available enough, because a lot of times we want to be a part of a project, and we say we will, but we're not mentally available, emotionally available, or physically available. And I waited, and I took it very slowly. I put it, as we say in Israel, on low heat, on back burner. Just to make sure I have the right infrastructure, the right briefing, the right design approach, the right partners, and the right core values that I'm kind of shaping and reshaping and fine-tuning every day. So every day that I wake up in the morning and I'm starting a new project or working on a project, I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? And if in a certain day, I feel that my why is not connected to the how, I'm stopping. And it's okay to stop. And I'm taking a break. And there are a few days during the last few months that I haven't worked on the patient school at all, because I wanted to make sure that my why is well established and that the how will come when it comes. Guys, thank you so much for listening. It was a bit of emotional for me talking about it. I can talk and write more about my experiences in startups. If you want to hear more, please comment and email me about my previous experiences as a startup founder, not only about self-empowerment and so on. And I want to really thank my amazing sound engineer, which is an amazing musician. Rachel, thank you so much for the amazing music that you provided for our intro and outro and the music that you hear during now that I'm speaking. And I would love to connect her amazing work here to the podcast and i really recommend it for kind of a lo-fi relaxation studying sessions she's really great guys thank you so much again keep on doing keep on asking yourself what is your why and the how will come and i see you next time